Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Remember hearing a story about a church in New England years and years and years ago. Um, and it was back when people, people walked to church and, uh, and it was in the winter and uh, people would walk to church through the snow and uh, they would get to church. Well, this one Sunday, uh, the, the, something happened to their, their heater at the church and so there was no heat. And uh, there was really, at that point, there wasn't really a, a good way to let people know. So people showed up and, and uh, people ended up bringing their, their, their pets to church that Sunday, their dogs and cats, because it was, it was an ongoing thing. And they would use their animals for warmth at church, but the cold didn't stop them from showing up. And it's kind of cool. Um, it's a little chilly this morning, and I just wanted to let you guys know to encourage you that uh, in two weeks, uh, no, November 8th, we will be heading into the pavilion. We're doing some things to the, uh, uh, the uh, um, HVAC system, and uh, we're pretty excited about moving in there. And so just kind of to let you know, we'll be shifting inside November 8th. Um, I wanted to start off this morning with... Uh, uh, a parable of sorts, a modern-day parable. Um, One day, a boy was walking down the road when a frog called to him. The frog said, boy, if you kiss me, I will turn into a beautiful princess. The boy picked up the frog, smiled at it, then placed the frog in his pocket. A few minutes later, the frog said again, boy, if you kiss me and turn me back into a beautiful princess, I will stay with you for a week. The boy took the frog from his pocket, smiled at it, then put it back in his pocket. A few minutes later, the frog said, Boy, if you kiss me and turn me back into a beautiful princess, I will do anything you want. The boy took the frog from his pocket, smiled, and put it back. Finally, the frog cried, Boy, what is the matter? I have told you that I am a beautiful princess, and if you kiss me, I will say, I will stay with you and do anything you want. The boy took the frog from his pocket and said, Look, I'm an engineering student. I have no time for a girlfriend, but a talking frog is way cool. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. As, as, we, as we look at Mark chapter 4 this morning, it is, it is the chapter where in Jesus' ministry where he begins to communicate to people in parables. It's a shift in the way he's communicating because up to this point, he's been talking in ways that everybody, that, that any rabbi would teach. Um, he, he's teaching in, in, in that, that kind of lecture type way that any rabbi would teach. But a parable is, is by definition a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Um, parables today are also uh, kind of known as, as fables or tales or allegories, legends, lessons, or t- a teaching of some sort. And, and so what happens in Mark 4, if, if you caught the, uh, the, the, the video this week, um, which, which I kind of talked through um, the, the latter part of, of chapter 3 in, in Mark, um, what, we, what we see is that Jesus' ministry is, is kind of exploding, that there's massive crowds that are following Jesus, and these crowds and their desires, what they want from Jesus 
is, is, is swelling to a point of almost overwhelming the message and mission of Jesus. Because you see, there's these huge crowds that have, that have come to follow Jesus and they're following him everywhere. They're pressing in on him and they're kind of pushing on him. And, and, and so many people in those huge crowds were really there for their own benefit. They really weren't necessarily there to further the mission of Jesus because some of those people, if, if you kind of caught that video this week, they were there simply because they wanted physical healing. They knew, that they, they knew and they had heard the stories that Jesus was a healer. And so they, they had brought their, their, their issues and, and they, they brought their, their, their problems to Jesus, their physical problems, because they wanted physical healing. And others in the crowd, they were there because it sounded interesting and they kind of wanted to be entertained. They thought this was kind of going to be something might happen. They were the people who didn't want to miss out on what was going on. And they were there for entertainment. And then still others in the crowd. It says that they were there because they, they, had, they wanted to be intellectually stimulated or engaged because they wanted to ask questions and get answers and to think about those things, but not necessarily people looking to trade their lives for the life that Jesus offered them. And, and so as these crowds continue to grow and swell, what Jesus does is he begins to talk to them in a way that's different and, and new to people in that day. And, and, and so Jesus introduced this new way of communicating the kingdom message in parables. And so in Mark 4, Jesus shares the very first parable of his ministry. In fact, it's interesting. If you look at the, the, the other gospels, you'll see that all the gospel writers agree that, that this parable of the sower was the very first parable that Jesus uh, shared in his ministry. And so this is the first parable that he, that he, that he shares. And, and there's two things that I think we need to catch as we begin to unpack the de this development in Jesus' ministry. And so the first thing that I want to look at this morning is why Jesus began to speak in parables. Because there's a, there's a very specific reason Jesus began communicating in parables to the people who were following him. And the second thing that we want to unpack this morning is, is how does this first parable then impact our lives? Because it's a pretty common and, and, and well-known parable. It's, you know, the sower who goes out and he throws seed on these different paths. And, and the different paths react to the seed. And then Jesus tells his, his disciples what the parable was about. And, and so as we begin this, I want to look at that first thing as, as to why Jesus spoke in parables. And so we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 25 this morning, but, but I want to I kind of break it up like this. So, so starting in verse 10, look at what Jesus says, because in, in verse 10, Jesus has just finished speaking with the crowd and, and telling this parable. And in verse 10, it says, and when he was alone, those around him, his disciples with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus, in this, in this, in this response to his disciples, Jesus tells them essentially this, that there are two kinds of hearers. 
that are part of, that are out there right now. There are two different kind of people who they listen in two different ways. There's two different type of hearers. And in verse 10, he says, he says they, they ask him, you know, what does the parable mean? And he responds to them and he says this. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And that's the first type of hearer that Jesus describes. To those who have been given the secret to the kingdom of God. And when he says, to you who've been given the secret, he's talking about to those who follow, who obey, who listen, who accept Jesus' authority. That's who he's talking about. That's the first type of hearer that Jesus is talking about. Those who follow, who obey, who listen, who accept Jesus' authority. And he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. And secret here is, is also kind of a mystery. It's the mystery of the kingdom of God. And it is the under, and this is really what the secret of the kingdom of, of, of God is. As Jesus begins to uh, unveil this and, and, and unpack this. It is the understanding of what God is doing now in human history. That is the secret of the kingdom of God, that, that there are those, the disciples and those who are with the disciples who are around Jesus. Jesus says, for you, here's what I'm going to be helping you understand. And, and if you are one of those types of hearers, those who see me as authoritative, who are going to obey me, who are not just here for your own benefit, but you're here because you know that there's something significant about my ministry and my message and the kingdom of heaven. He says, he says here, this is the mystery of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom is how God functions in human society, just exactly what he's doing today. Because you see, even when we think about today, those of us who follow Jesus and those of us who have surrendered ourselves to Jesus, those of us who obey Jesus, we see something different than the rest of society sees in what's going on today. Because we understand the secret of the kingdom. You see, the world would have us believe that everything takes place apart from God, that if there is even a God, that he's sitting up there someplace watching us poor, struggling mortals on the sinful plains of life, but, but, but that he really has nothing to do with what's going on. He's just kind of watching it happen. But, but the scripture reveals to those who have ears to hear, scripture reveals that God himself is involved in every single event, that nothing occurs which God is not in touch with and is not arranged and is not brought into being. And without destroying our will to choose or our freedom to move, he nevertheless is working things out to a, universe, to a universal encompassing purpose which he announces to us, which he shares with us. We are those who understand what God is doing in the world. Even though it's difficult, even though it may not be a circumstance or situation that we are enjoying or, or we feel like is, is really benefiting our lives, we see that God is doing something. And so that is the mystery of the kingdom of God. And Jesus basically says to you, you who, who are disciples is given this secret. You can understand it. 
You have that kind of like magic decoder ring that you understand what God is doing. And so even as we look around at the world today, we know that the answer is not government. The answer is, is, is not a vaccine. The ax- answer is, is actually not personal freedom. The answer is to cry out to God the Father through Jesus Christ, his son. That the answer to all of the things that are going on today is surrendering to God and his purposes and his plan in our lives so that, so that, so that, we, so that others can recognize our hope and our faith and, and recognize their sinfulness. And so Jesus basically says there are those, one category of hearers are those who actually get it, who understand what's going on. That life is not just a random course of events and then you die, but, but life is an opportunity to recognize the glory of God and his sovereignty over human affairs. But then he goes on and he says, he says, to you is given the secret of the kingdom of heaven. But then he says, but for those outside, and that's the second category of hearers. And so that those outside is anyone not really open to understanding or obeying the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's those who aren't open to that. It's those who've said, no, 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 I I can figure out my own way. I've got my own stuff and I've got my own plan and my own agenda and I'm going to figure this out. And those are those who Jesus says are outside and they don't understand the secret to the kingdom of God. And and here's here's something that's that's kind of interesting that Jesus says because because it, it, it should kind of perk your ears at this moment because Jesus says, he says, for those outside... Everything is in parable so that, and then he, and he quotes a, a passage from Isaiah. He says, they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, I don't want them to hear because I don't want them to be forgiven. Doesn't It, it kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? Well, well, so the question is then that that kind of raises is, does Jesus actually want some people not to be forgiven? And that really can't be the answer, that Jesus actually doesn't want some people to be forgiven. But he quotes this from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And actually, the Gospel of Matthew quotes a little bit more, and actually Matthew gives a little bit more detail. And so, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, 14, and 15, in this same parable explanation that Jesus does with his disciples, here's what Jesus says. He says, indeed, in their case, these outside that he's talking about. The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. And then Jesus says this to his disciples, for this people's hearts has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. What he's saying is, is, is not that I'm speaking in parables because, uh, he's not saying I'm speaking in parables in order that I can fulfill this passage, but he's saying I'm speaking in parables because this is being fulfilled of these people who've chosen to cut off the message from their minds and their hearts. 
In other words, he's saying this is being fulfilled right now. He's saying the, 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 the reality of these crowds that are following Jesus is these people did not want to truly be healed the way Jesus came to heal them. They, they, they were coming maybe for physical healing, but in order to prevent the healing of their spirit, which Jesus came to do for mankind, the actual hurt of their heart, which Jesus wanted to bring them, they closed their eyes and their ears. They wanted physical healing, but that's all that they wanted. They just wanted their life situation to change so they could go on living in the way that they wanted to live. They wanted Jesus to cure their diseases and get rid of their afflictions so that they could go on just as they were before. But Jesus, knowing this, tells them, you are fulfilling the very words that Isaiah the prophet spoke in that you are not willing to listen to what I have to say. You want me to heal only the body. And I, and I think about how often we go to Jesus to fix our brokenness, our circumstances. Yet the moment he does that, we go back to our old ways. You see, today, people don't want to be transformed in their spirits, which is the real problem to be solved. So to capture their attention, Jesus told the truth in parables because if they wouldn't listen one way, he'd go to another way with the exact same message. And really, parables are designed for the uninterested, those who've tuned the truth out. Because frankly, if you're trying to make a point to someone who doesn't want to listen, if you can tell an, an interesting, maybe humorous or intriguing story that they don't realize you're teaching them with, <laughs> and then you get to the end and all of a sudden it's clear, you found another way to communicate to them. You found a different way to, to help them see the truth. And, and that's how much Jesus cared for and loved these people who didn't care about his message, he, he chose to go another route of communication so that maybe they would hear. And, and so it's, it's, it's interesting that, that, that here um, there's a reality that, that Jesus begins to speak in parables because there are two kinds of hearers. Those who will hear when he just simply tells him what, them what the truth is, and others who are very hard to get a hold of. The second reason that Jesus speaks in parables that we see in, this, in, in, in Mark chapter 4 is, is, is because seeking accomplishes a deeper work in us. Seeking accomplishes a deeper work in us. Um, um, jump to verse 20, 21. In verse 21, uh, Jesus tells this other kind of, he gives some, some little, uh, not really a parable, but, but he kind of takes common things and then uses them to help uh, enlighten the, uh, the, 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 the disciples. And he says in verse 21, he says, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, 
For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone hears, has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So he begins to kind of speak in this, this kind of weird way to the disciples. And, and here's basically what he's saying. He's saying that if you search, you will find truth. If you're truly searching, you'll find truth that you could not have seen otherwise. Because see, if I just tell you something, you're going to miss some of the things as if you really were going after it. it, it it's kind of like, it's kind of like we, we tend to to take things much deeper into our lives when we go through the process of discovery rather than that just being handed to us. It's kind of like, it's kind of like just the, the process of, of development of, of human beings that when we work for something, we find a deeper value in it rather than when we've been given it. And we see that with, with, with really generation after generation you see a generation that's worked really hard and, and, and really had, had this high work ethic and it was worked hard and, and they worked for what they have. And then you see a generation that's been given almost everything and what they've been given just isn't enough for them. And, and so when we, when we seek, when we put in the work, there's something different about how we value those things. And, and so really being given truth versus uh, the investment that you place in finding that truth to be true. And, and that's why we're so stubborn and we have to find things the hard way. You know, when, when you're, if you're a parent and you're trying to teach your kids and, 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 and say, look, don't do this because I can tell you it's not going to work out well. And what happens 95% of the time? They go and do it anyway. And you say, why didn't you listen? And they say, well, I needed to find out for myself. But, but that's the way we're wired. And, and, and God knows this. And so God says, so Jesus begins to talk in parables and say, hey, I want you to put some, why don't you figure this out? I bet, it's almost like Jesus is saying, I bet you can't figure out what I'm saying. Like, what do we do when we're told that, I bet you can't figure this out? I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> and, and, so, and so when you search, you find more than you expected. And when you don't search, you, you find that you've almost lost even the truth that you once thought you had. And, and, so, and so Jesus is challenging the crowds and he's challenging us to say, you know what, put some work into this because you're going to find the value in a deeper way. See, when things get difficult, unless we have deeply rooted convictions, we tend to revert back to functional lies. And, and what I mean by functional lies are lies that are temporarily working for us. Because we all believe functional lies. They are things that temporarily are, are working for us, but in the long run, they're going to fail. And, and so our convictions about truth and right are stronger when we have actually invested ourselves. And so Jesus begins to speak in parables because there's two different kind of hearers and because seeking accomplishes a deeper work. 
And so that's how he's trying to kind of communicate with the crowd so that this crowd that's there for all kinds of different reasons, not actually to find Jesus, but he gives them a challenge to figure things out in a little bit different way. And so now getting to the, to the actual parable, we, we see Jesus sharing this parable to this huge crowd that is gathered. And it, it's a pretty interesting parable because it connects with the people because of an agricultural society and they all kind of understood how things grow. And so it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, and again he began to, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got onto a boat and sat on it and on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea and on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell along the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell upon the good soil, and it produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus tells this story, and, and after he tells this story, his disciples says, what are, you, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean by this? And then he describes to the disciples, as we've just talked about, why he's talking in parables. And, and so we, we, what we see is that some people are excited about what Jesus is giving as a message about the kingdom, and some people are, are enraged by it. We see the reactions of those who are, who are listening to what Jesus says. We see curiosity and we see dismissal. Why do some people hear relief in the message of Jesus? And why do others hear condemnation and, 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 and lash out against it? Jesus explains that whole phenomenon. The sower sows the word of the kingdom. The path he describes to his disciples is, is, is that seed, that message of the kingdom that falls and, and failure is immediate because the, the people, the soil of their life, their, their receptivity is, is that they are slaves of their sin nature and immediately it can't take root. So they're so focused and they're so stuck in their sin that they are deceived. See, the nature of deception is that you don't realize that you're deceived. That's the problem because sometimes we look at people and say, how can you be so dumb that you're deceived? But that's the nature of deception. You don't know that. It's not that you're dumb. It's that you've been deceived. And, and so there's this group that, that he describes on the rocky path that the failure is immediate because they are slaves to their sin. But then he talks about the rocky soil, which seems promising for the first moment, and there's, there's some enthusiasm, yet it's short-lived because of there's not, there's not great a depth of soil. And, and the things that are surrounding them, like the sun and, 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 and the weather and the, and the conditions around them are such that, that, they, that they fall apart. And, and really what he's saying is that there's pressure, whether it's from religious or social environments, that the growth there's a growth of opposition around them. And because of that, 
official or unofficial pressure from around them, they walk away from the message of the kingdom. And then he talks about the thorny soil, which it seems like there's some discipleship that survives, but it's unproductive. And rather than, than like the rocky soil where it's, 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 it's outside forces that are moving this person away from the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's a divided loyalty from within. It's not external pressure, but it's stuff from, the, from inside. There's these thorns that grow up. And, and, and it chokes out the message of the kingdom. But then he talks about the good soil which is an acceptance and surrender to the message of the kingdom. And there's this growth, and, and he says 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And what he's saying is that discipleship doesn't look exactly the same way with everyone. Everyone grows in a different way. But the, the reality of someone who is a disciple of Jesus is that there will be fruit that grows from, from their lives. And so Jesus explains the soils and the receptivity of the seed to the disciples. And he walks through that with them. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's so interesting because, because as, as, as we think about this, rarely does Jesus explain something just so we gain knowledge to kind of lock it away and say, now I know more about Jesus. That's not how Jesus works. Jesus never just gives us something so that we have more information that we can say, I know that now and I can move on. What good does, does knowing why someone doesn't respond to the gospel, what good does that do? Because what Jesus has done here in this parable, he said, here's, here's why people don't receive the message of the kingdom. This is why people aren't responsive to when you share your faith in Jesus. That's for some people, they are so deceived by their enslavement to sin that they can't even understand what you're saying. That the moment that you talk about Jesus, they say, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then there's others who, who have a little bit of depth of soil there. They're less deceived than others, but you begin to share your faith and share the message of Jesus with them. But what happens is there are too many environmental forces around them that pressure them that they say, you know what, I just can't give that up. I can't give the, because these people won't accept me if I accept what you're saying. And then there's others who we share our faith with who they're excited about it, and we're hopeful, and we think, man, this is going great, but, but there's things inside their lives that they're not willing to grow, give up. There's those sins, there's those lies that they hold on to that are functioning for them, and they're not willing to give that up. It's, it's when we say, you know what, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to follow you, but these are the things that I can't give up for you. And, and then there's those who we share faith with and they're excited and, and they go to, to, to live their lives surrendered to Jesus. And so Jesus explains, these are, these are kind of what we're dealing with. These are the people. This is why people may or may not respond to the message of the kingdom. But, but just knowing that isn't what Jesus is going for. They're, 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 this knowledge about the way people may accept or reject the gospel isn't just to, to, to know why they're rejecting it, but there's something more that Jesus wants from us. You see, Jesus wants us, always wants us to act on something, but what is it that he wants us to act on? 
I think so often I've looked at this parable to give me more comfort and more security when somebody won't listen to the message of Jesus. Because what I can do with this parable and what Jesus talks about is I can look at that and say, when someone rejects the truth or when I try to speak truth into someone's life and they reject it, I can say, well, I tried. They're just rocky soil. <laughs> That's their problem, right? Or, or I tried, but, but the, you know, they're, they're, they're thorny. They're thorny and there's no use talking to them anymore. That's just what they are. And we can go that direction and excuse ourselves because, you know, Jesus explained, Jesus, you know, I, I realize you don't understand, but Jesus described, you're just kind of a thorn. So, you know, I, I, I don't expect this to go anywhere with you. <laughs> but, but we may not say that to people, but don't we kind of think that to kind of make ourselves feel better about the fact that, yeah, I mean, I did my part and I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do much more. It's interesting, the... Uh, Father, the guy known as the father of soil science, I know this is super interesting to lots of people, the father of soil science is a Russian guy named Vasily, and I practiced this last name, Vasily, uh, I got you do this all the time, and then you, you, then I like this stage fright here, like I just, I'm not going to get this right, um, uh, Dukachev. There we go. That's my, best, that's my best Russian last name I can pronounce. Um, but anyway, he's known as the father and the founder of soil science. And here's something he said, and I want you to hear this for a second. And I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second, okay? He said, soil is the result of the interaction between climate, bedrock, and organisms. Now think about that for a second. The guy who's known as the founder of soil science says that soil, the, the health of soil is the result of climate, bedrock, and organisms. Is anybody making a connection here with what Jesus teaches in the parable of the sower? That the rocky soil, the thorny soil, the path, the good soil is a result of climate, bedrock, and organisms. The, the, there's three steps that soil scientists agree on to improving the, rep, uh, the receptivity of soil. This really simplified. So if a soil, you want to make soil better, you add organic matter, and then you go and test the soil to see how it's doing, and then you add more organic matter. You see, the health of soil depends on how much you're willing to invest in it. Here's what I think the point of the sower, the parable of the sower is for those of us who have received the message of the gospel. Here's what I think the point is. The point is this, it's exactly what what this father of soil science says. He says that, that the, the result of, of soil being good is the interaction between climate, bedrock, and organism. Bedrock is, is what's already there. Bedrock is the nature. So, so like bedrock is, is, is what you already are. Climate is what's around you, isn't it? 
It's what surrounds you. It's those environmental factors in your life. It's, it's the, the, the family you grew up in. It's the people that you hang out with. It's the, the things that you are exposed to. And then there's organisms. Organisms are the life-breathing influences that are investing in your life. And so when it comes to this idea I believe the question Jesus has set before us today is, how is your life influencing the state of the soil of the people around you? Because you see, I may not, they're they're kind of set in their ways, the bedrock, the thing that they are, and there's a climate around them, and, and we look at the climate as our culture and our society, which isn't exactly shifting people towards Jesus, But you and I, we're living, breathing organisms. We're the organic matter that's added into their soil. And and so what I think Jesus is saying, maybe the, the thing that we need to take away from this is that now that we know why the gospel maybe doesn't stick in this person's life, we have an active role in figuring out how to improve their soil to help them become more receptive. And so how do you make soil more receptive? Is you add organic matter. You invest your life into their life. You begin to, to not just draw away from them and say, oh, too bad, you're, you're, you're the path, so there's no hope for you. You say, hey, I realize that there's a bad climate around you, and maybe inside you don't want to follow this, but maybe, just maybe, more organic matter, more organisms impacting you for Jesus Christ Maybe that will begin to, to cause your soil to be more receptive to the message of the kingdom. And so what this will take is an investment of your life and your time to show them the truth of Jesus. And after they still don't respond, add more of your life to their soil. You see, it is so easy for us to look at the world around us and say, man, I just want to withdraw and I want to build my walls, and I want, to, I want to just hang on until Jesus fixes everything. But we can't do that. We can't settle for that. Because the people around us, and even some people who, who we, we wouldn't even think have been consumed by the world, They've been consumed by the world and we have an incredible opportunity to invest in those around us, to model our lives in a way that they see the true Jesus. All the while recognizing that we need to make sure our soil is healthy, that we're being receptive to the things that God is asking us to do. You see, here's here's the thing. In the world in which we live right now, the climate's terrible. And there's people who are going further and further and deeper into themselves, into their own bedrock, their own sin nature. And and what are we doing as the church to help them see the hope and the life that Jesus has for them? Here's one of the things that, that, that I have been struggling with during this pandemic. I've mostly heard Christians 
and I've participated myself in this, that the message that I've heard from the church is we've got to keep what we have. And we need to make sure that we are, are living in what we've, we've built and we've maintained. What I haven't heard from the church during the last seven months is how are we going to, at cost to ourselves, increase the receptivity of the message of the kingdom of God in the world in which we live? What are we doing? What are people seeing from us? Are people seeing our behavior and our words and our activities and our people, the, the unregenerated, the lost, sinful, slaves to sin world, are they seeing what the church is doing today? And are they saying, wow, they're different. They're different. It's, it seems to me that when Jesus intersected the world, when the Roman Empire was at its height, it was brutal, it was terrible, it was abusive. Not terribly unlike our world today. Yet Jesus came and he said, I lay my life down for those who are lost and deceived. I think deception is at an all-time high right now, <laughs> at least for me in my lifetime. And so the question I think that we have to wrestle with is, are we investing in the, in the, in the damaged and used-up soil of the people around us? Are we truly reaching out? Are we living and modeling the hope we have in Christ? Or are we kind of like the crowds that were following Jesus? Are we kind of stuck on, hey, Jesus, I want you to fix my situation? Are we more focused on our own situation than focused on the, the, the call of Jesus to seek and save the lost? And just because the lost have rejected our message, we just have to figure out what kind of soil they have. And we need to add ourselves into that soil and continue to work on that because that's what Jesus did with us. He didn't give up on us. And so a couple questions that I would ask you to reflect on this morning and this week is this, is number one, what does your soil look like right now? The, the, the climate, those outside influences, what, what's, what's hitting you? And, and is your bedrock, is, is it pliable? Is Jesus transforming you? And thirdly, what kind of people are influencing you? And, and then the second question is this, are you willing to lay down your agenda to painstakingly invest in those whose soil is so poor that the truth can't even land in their lives? That's the message of the kingdom, that there is salvation. Because, because the reality that we are stuck in is that every single person who doesn't know Jesus is going to spend eternity in hell forever, which is far worse than any hell we've experienced here. And that's the urgency of our calling.
I want to um, ask the prayer team to um, kind of head over there right now. And um, I'm going to invite the, the, the worship team to come back up. And um, as the prayer team goes over there and as they gather there, I want to I just say that if you're here this morning or if you're listening, if you're watching online and, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, maybe there's been all kinds of excuses why Jesus isn't the answer, but maybe you're at a point this morning that, that you're saying, everything I've tried, maybe those functional lies sound like they're familiar because there's things that I've depended on, but eventually they fail. The reality is that Jesus will not fail. And so if this morning, if you, if you know that you need to, to have a conversation about Jesus, if you know that you need Jesus in your life, then, then this morning is that time. And so if you're here in person this morning and you want to talk to somebody about inviting Jesus into your life, I'd encourage you to go over there maybe while we close and worship by the end of the service. And if you're out, out there, if you're online right now and you say, you know what, I think I need Jesus, it is as simple as this. It's to say, Jesus, I know that I am sinful. I know that I'm deceived and I know that I need you in my life and I want to surrender my life to you this morning. That's really what it takes, is to surrender my will to Jesus' will and, and find someone. If you want to do that, if you've done that this morning, find someone and talk to them about it. The hope that we have as believers in Christ is that we have won no matter what happens. And that God is building us into a people, into a church, into a group of people who are soil scientists. That's what we are. We can recognize the deception and the falsehood in the lives of others. And as soil scientists for Jesus, we are able to look at the climate that they're in, to look at what's inside of them and recognize that we are the organic matter that needs to be introduced to their lives. And we will not give up until it's too late. And Jesus will work in their lives and Jesus will do the convicting and the saving. But that's what we're called to be about. And I think that's what we need to take from the soil. Let me pray for us as we finish in worship. Father, I, I thank you for this morning. And God, I pray that you will, God, heighten the urgency in our lives and in our, in our hearts that God, there are people who are deceived and don't know the message of the kingdom. And maybe they've rejected it 55 times, but God, that you call us to continue to, 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 to break up that fallow ground, that soil that is, that is maybe, it's just, it's just unhealthy. And God, that you call us to be light and life in the lives of others. God, in the same way that you sought and saved us, I pray that we would seek and save those around us. That God, yes, we would stand up for the truth. But God, more importantly, that we would stand up for the lives and the salvation of people who are on a trajectory to spend eternity separated from you and in hell. And so, Father, I thank you that you sought us out. 
and that you didn't give up until we surrendered. I pray that we may have that perseverance and persistence for the people who you have brought into our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.